Have you ever been somewhere where somebody new has come to take charge? It could be perhaps in work, um, there's a new boss or a new um, person in charge of your section, or it could be in church and a new person takes over the, uh, the actual church, or someone comes in to run a new committee and you're there together for the first time. And that person who's newly appointed starts off by saying, well guys, this is how it's going to go now. These are our key focus points and we're bringing the team together and this is the direction we're heading. Anyone had that kind of experience um, hearing someone talk like that? Well, when Jesus started his ministry, he had the same kind of uh, message for the people around him. And our series of messages at church over the uh, last week and the next few weeks is based on, I guess it's Jesus' sort of mission statement or his vision statement for what his ministry was going to be all about. It's from Luke chapter 4, verse 14. We heard it last week. We perhaps will hear it again. Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in the synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be free, and that the time of the Lord's favour has come. That's his mission statement. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, anointed me to bring good news to the poor, proclaim the captives will be released, the blind will see, the oppressed will be free. That's what his ministry was going to be all about. And that's our focus in our messages. Last week uh, we heard about uh, the good news and uh, taking that good news to the poor. And tonight we're focusing on that uh, the statement Jesus says, he sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released. He has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you will open up our hearts to what you want to say to us tonight. Open up our ears to hear you and our minds that we might know the truth. Lord, I pray that the only form of captivity that we will experience is to be captivated by the love that you have for us. Amen. Now, the Jewish people as a nation knew what it was like to be in captivity. Over the course of their history, they'd been in captivity in Egypt, in Babylon, been held captive by the Assyrians, the Persians, the Greeks, and now in Jesus' time, it was the Roman Empire. Some historians estimate that during Jesus' time, Across the Roman Empire, 30% of the population were slaves. And that was necessary just to keep the empire's machinery well oiled. That's not to mention those who were held in prison and hadn't even got the job of being a slave. But not only as a nation, the Jewish people understood what it would be like to be uh, captives as individuals. You only had to disagree with someone in public be a Roman or a Jewish official, and too easily you could also end up in prison. 
So when Jesus is talking about releasing the captives, he's talking in words that the Jewish people clearly understood. The theme of these messages is keys, that Jesus has given authority, he's given us the keys. And isn't there such a strong connection with keys and being released from prison? Such a strong connection. When I was doing some uh, reading for this message, I found that uh, in Hebrew, the word captive comes from two smaller words. I won't try and pronounce them because I'll get them wrong. But one means a spear. And one means to be taken or conquered. A spear and to be taken and conquered. So the idea of being a captive was where you're being led at spear point, under threat of life, to somewhere where you don't want to go. There's a sense of force taking you and capturing you. Perhaps fear, perhaps a sense of being overpowered. So that's what it means to be a captive. And we know that being a captive isn't just a physical thing. We can be captive in lots of different ways. And Jesus wants to release us from being a captive. In the book of Acts, Peter was held captive. He was in prison. But he was miraculously set free by an angel that led Peter from the jail. The chains fell off him. He walked through doors that just opened and walked straight out the door and found himself, when the angel disappeared, on the street outside the prison. Jesus can set the captives free. A few chapters later in Acts, Paul and Silas were captive in prison, in chains, around midnight, singing hymns to God. And a mighty earthquake came. The chains fell off. The doors were flung open. And once again, they were set free. Jesus is in the business of releasing the captives. Now, I've not had any experience being physically held captive, although I have played laser tag at the old Maitland jail. And opening and closing the big metal bar doors for the school toilet blocks is a bit like opening and closing jail doors. But that's about the limit of my experience in being a captive. But I do love to read, and I love to read biographies about people and how God has worked in their lives. One of my favourites is called The Heavenly Man. It's a Chinese man called Brother Yun. And there is an amazing story about him being released from prison. And I had planned to uh, just paraphrase that and tell you the story. And as I was reading it to Jane this morning, we decided I really can't do any better than read part of this chapter to you. So before you panic, I did cut out some of what I was going to say to uh, allow space for this chapter, so uh, don't be too concerned. But Brother Yun was a Chinese, or still is a Chinese man, <laughs> as far as I can tell. <laughs> he is a Chinese man. Talk about grammatical mistakes. <laughs> He's a Chinese man who um, came to know God in a very real way during a time where Christianity in China was persecuted. Any open mention of Jesus or of, uh, of the Christian faith would mean jail. And God called him to preach and he paid a big price for that. 
He was jailed a number of times um, and treated cruelly in jail, beaten. Um, there were times he was spat on, he was urinated upon, he was left for dead. Uh, all kinds of terrible things happened. And this chapter is uh, a time when he was in jail again. And uh, he had tried to escape and uh, that, had done that by jumping out the window of a second floor uh, building in the jail. Um, ended up with two broken legs, but the prison guards then continued to beat his legs uh, until he, uh, he couldn't walk. And uh, I just want to read his own words to you. On the evening of the 4th of, the 4th of May, 1997, so we're not talking a long time ago. We're not talking a long time ago, 1997. Like every evening for the previous six weeks, I reached down, took hold of my limp legs. Pain raced through my body as I propped them up against the wall. I found this was the best way to minimise the agony. By diverting the blood flow away from my legs, they became numb and I could sleep fitfully through the night. The very next morning, in my depressed and hopeless condition, the Lord encouraged me with a promise from Hebrews 10.35. So, do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. I awoke with those words in my mind. As the prison life slowly stirred to life, I started to read the book of Jeremiah. The Lord related it to my injuries and, and to my situation in a very powerful and personal way. It was as if the Holy Spirit was speaking directly to me through his word. I felt just like Jeremiah. I was overwhelmed and it seemed as if the Lord had abandoned me to rot in prison forever. I cried out to the Lord, echoing Jeremiah's words, O oh God, why have you afflicted me so that I cannot be healed? I hope for peace, but no good has come. Please, Lord, do not despise me. I continued reading, and once again the words seemed to leap off the paper and into my spirit. It was a very holy time, as though God Almighty himself had descended into my cell and was dealing with me face to face. I had so much grief stored up inside me, and it all started to gush out before the Lord. I sobbed. Lord Jesus, just like Jeremiah said, Everyone strives against me and curses me. I can't take any more. I've reached the end of myself. I wept so hard that my eyes became swollen from all my tears. But the Lord comforted me like a loving father holding his little boy. He reassured me. From my innermost being, I cried out to the Lord. Many times I asked him why I was in such pain. I couldn't bear it anymore. My heart was downcast. And I was ready to give up. God's word came again to me with both a severe warning and a promise. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. If you repent, I will restore you, that you may serve me. If you utter worthy and not worthless words, you will be my spokesman. Let this people turn to you, but you, not, you must not turn to them. They will make you a wall to this people, a fortified wall of bronze, they will fight against you, but will not overcome you, for I am with you to rescue you and save you, declares the Lord. I will save you from the hands of the wicked and redeem you from the grasp of cruel men. As soon as I read these words, a powerful vision suddenly came to me, even though I was wide awake. 
I saw my wife dealing, sitting beside me. She had just been released from prison and was preparing some medicine. She lovingly treated my wounds. I felt greatly encouraged and asked her, have you been released? She replied, why don't you open that iron door? But before I could answer, she walked out of the room and the vision ended. Then the Lord spoke to me, this is the hour of your salvation. Immediately, I knew this was a vision from the Lord and that I was meant to try and escape. My solitary cell shared a wall with a cell containing Brother Zhu and some of the other believers. We had a prearranged signal that if any of us were in trouble and needed urgent prayer, we would knock twice on the wall. Brother Zhu heard my knock. I called to the guard. He came to the door and asked me what I wanted, and I told him I needed to go to the toilet right now. Because it was Brother Zhu's job to carry me around, remember he can't walk on his own, the guard opened his door and ordered him to carry me to the bathroom. Whenever prisoners were allowed outside their cells, an iron gate in the corridor was locked so there could be no chance of escape. The stairwell leading down to the floors below was on the other side of the gate. We were still completely closed in. The gate opened for people on the outside coming back in, but it couldn't be opened from the inside. Each floor of the prison was protected by an iron gate. Normally, two guards were stationed on either side of every gate. So to make it to the prison courtyard, I would have to go through three iron gates on three floors. He was on the third floor of the prison and pass six armed guards. Brother Zhu came to my door. As soon as he saw me, he commanded me, the Lord tells me you must escape now. Then he went back to his own cell, collected his toothbrush and towel so the guards would think he was about to use the bathroom. When Brother Zhu returned, again he solemnly ordered me, Yun, you must escape. I was dressed only in my underwear, so as quickly as I could, I pulled my trousers up. I had written scriptures from the Gospel of John and First Peter on a long piece of toilet paper. I fashioned it into a belt of truth, fastening the word of God around my waist. It's a creative use of toilet paper. I prayed, Lord, you have shown me that I must try and leave this prison. I will obey you now and will try to escape. But when the guards shoot me, please receive my soul into your heavenly dwelling. It was now more than six weeks since my legs had been smashed. Even putting a little weight on them caused tremendous agony. But I believe God had told me in three different ways that I was to try and escape. Through his word, through the vision I'd received that morning, and through Brother Zoo. I have learnt that when the Lord tells us to do something, there's no time for discussion, regardless of the situation we face. When we are sure God has told us to act as I was on this occasion, blind obedience is called for. Not to obey God implies that we are wiser than him and that we know better how to run our lives than he does. It was just before 8 o'clock in the morning of the 5th of May, 1997. To the natural mind, this time of the day was the worst possible time to try and escape. There was normally so much activity throughout the prison with all the guards at their posts. I shuffled out of my cell and walked towards the locked iron gate in the hallway. My mind was solely focused on obeying God. I looked straight ahead and prayed beneath my breath with every painful step I took. A guard who pushed a button when he wanted the gate to open 
and clothes sat at the top of the third floor stairwell. It was impossible to see the other side because the gate was made of iron. But at the exact moment I reached that gate, another servant of the Lord, Brother Mushin, was returning to his cell and the gate was open for him. That morning he had been ordered to sweep the prison courtyard. As Mushin passed me, I told him, wait, don't close the gate. I walked through without even breaking my stride. The Lord's timing was perfect. As we passed, Mushin asked in a whisper, Are you leaving, Brother Yun? Are you not afraid to die? Then, with an astonished look on his face, he returned to his cell. There had been a guard accompanying Mushin back to his cell. But at the exact moment he opened the gate, a telephone rang in the office down the hallway and the guard turned and ran to answer it. I noticed a broom leaning against the wall in the stairwell. I picked it up and continued walking with it down the stairs to the second floor. An arm guard was positioned at his desk facing the second iron gate. The gate was sometimes left open. Because an on-duty guard was assigned to watch the gate day and night, it wasn't considered a risk to leave it unlocked. At that moment, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Go now, the God of Peter is your God too. Somehow the Lord seemed to blind that guard. He was staring directly at me, yet his eyes didn't acknowledge my presence at all. I expected him to say something, but he just looked through me as if I was invisible. I didn't say a word. I continued past him and didn't look back. I knew I could be shot in the back at any moment. I continued, continued to silently ask the Lord to be ready to receive my spirit, thinking these moments would be the last, my last in this world. I continued walking down the stairs, but nobody stopped me, and none of the guards said a word to me. When I arrived at the main iron gate leading out to the courtyard, I discovered it was already open. This was all strange, as usually this was the most secure gate of all. There were normally two guards stationed at the first floor iron gate, one on the inside and one on the outside, but for some reason neither of the guards were present, and the gate was open. I discarded the broom I'd carried with me from the third floor and walked out into the courtyard. The bright morning light made me wince. I walked past several guards to the yard, but nobody said a word to me. Then I strolled through the main gate of the prison, which for some reason was also standing ajar. My heart was pounding. I was now standing on the street outside the Zhengzhou number one maximum security prison. I was told later that nobody had ever escaped from that prison before. Immediately, a small yellow taxi pulled up next to me, and the driver, a man in his late 20s, opened the passenger door. He asked, where are you heading? I got in and replied, I need to go to my office as quickly as possible. Please drive fast. I gave the driver the address of a Christian family I knew in Zhengzhou, and we drove away from the prison. I told him that if we came to a traffic jam, drive around it. Do not stop for any reason. All of these events seemed to happen in just a few moments. It was like a daydream. I was unsure if the whole thing had really happened or if I was dreaming. I don't know how the Lord did it or why all those iron gates, usually so tightly locked, were standing open for me. All I knew, I was sitting in a taxi and we were heading to the home of my friends. When we arrived, I asked the driver to wait while I went to borrow some money to pay the fare. I climbed the stairs to the third floor apartment and rang the doorbell twice. One of the daughters of the family looked through the security hole in the door and immediately recognised me. 
she excitedly said, Oh, Brother Yoon, you've been released from the hospital, meaning the prison. Yes, I told her, I've left the hospital, but I didn't do it by the normal procedure. Can you please lend me some money so I can pay my taxi fare? She was so excited to see me that she forgot to open the door. Familiar for those who know the Bible story of Peter. Finally, she returned and gave me the amount. I quickly ran downstairs to the waiting driver and paid him. The precious Christian family welcomed me warmly inside their home. One of the daughters told me, the whole church has been fasting and praying for you and your co-workers for more than a week. Yesterday, the Holy Spirit told my mother, I will release Yun, and the first place he will stop will be your home. He will stay for a short time and will pray with you. My parents told us to expect your arrival, and we've organized a secret place for you to hide. Nobody else knows about the place except us. My mother has already prepared you some food and clothes. Come, change your clothes and we'll take you there. After we prayed together, I was given a bicycle and one of the families rode on the back, directing me to the hiding place, wisely travelling down small alleyways to avoid the roadblocks being set up on the main road because of the escape. The moment I started to pedal the bike was the first time I realised the Lord had healed my feet and legs. My mind had been so focused on obeying the Lord and preparing to be shot in the back that I never even noticed that God had healed me. I never felt any healing power from the time my legs were smashed with a baton until the day I escaped, my legs had remained completely black and unusable. I couldn't even stand up, let alone walk. The most I could do was crawl a short distance by grabbing hold of the wall. Brother Mu Sheng told me later that when he passed me on the food floor, I was walking normally. So it seems the Lord must have healed my legs before I started to escape. As I rode along the bicycle, I was reminded of God's word. Make level paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. As soon as we arrived at the hiding place, the heavens opened. Torrential rain blackened, blackened, sorry, blanketed the whole city, and a howling wind rattled windows and blew bicycles over. It was a huge storm. Although it was still morning time, the sky turned black. I entered the hiding place and was left alone. This dear family treated me like an angel from heaven and they placed a family member outside my door day and night to guard me. Later, Christian friends told me they'd seen a report on the TV news on the evening of my, of my escape. The security police, the public security bureau and the soldiers from the People's Liberation Army had been mobilised to find me. They searched every house in the city from door to door. They set up roadblocks at all the major intersections and searched every vehicle. Officers were dispatched to every bus station, train station and to the airport. I was told trained police sniffer dogs were used in a bid to pick up my scent, but their efforts were all in vain. I was safe in the secret hiding place of the Lord. The storm had hampered the authorities and washed away all traces of me. God now reminded me how 13 years earlier, during my 74-day fast fast in prison, he'd given me a powerful vision of a series of iron gates opening one after the other. Now, all these years later, his promise had come true. I marveled at God's goodness and faithfulness to me. To this day, I consider my escape from prison the most amazing experience of my life. That night, I slept like a content newborn baby in the arms of my Lord. Here's a brief comment from Brother Zhu. He says, After Brother Yun tried to escape by jumping out the window, he broke his legs. 
Then they beat him severely in the mud, smashing his legs further so he wasn't able to walk. When I saw Yun's unconscious body being carried back to his cell, his whole face was covered in mud. They'd beaten his head so he lost his hearing for a while. After we'd been transferred to the Zhengzhou prison, I was given the job of carrying Yun to the bathroom and the prison interrogation room because he was crippled and always in terrible pain. I told Yun the Lord wanted him to escape. The Lord surely led me to say this. I felt God wanted Yun to escape, but he wanted me to stay. One morning, the Lord directly showed Yun it was time to escape. As he walked down the prison stairs towards the courtyard, another Christian brother was coming in. The security door was open for him at exactly the same time Yun walked out. That brother then ran to our cell and told everyone he had seen Yun walking out of the prison. The prisoners climbed up and looked out the cell windows into the courtyard. We watched as Yun walked out the front gate of the prison to freedom. This act of God's mercy and power greatly encouraged us all. We once again saw that nothing is impossible for God, absolutely nothing. He holds all our lives in his hands and not a thing will happen to one of God's children unless it is part of his plan for our lives. I believe one reason why God chose to release Yun in such a manner because, was because the prison authorities had mocked the Lord and Yun when they smashed his legs. They said, we'd like to see you escape now. But the Lord is always up to meeting a challenge. Within a few minutes of Yun's escape, the guards discovered he was missing and a huge manhunt was launched. A thorough investigation was held by the authorities to find out how a crippled prisoner in maximum security, solitary confinement could walk out of the prison and disappear. Interesting, the investigation concluded that Yun had received no human help from any of the prisoners or guards during his escape. And I can testify this was entirely true. It was all the sovereign hand of our almighty God. And Brother Mushing says, I was privileged to witness Brother Yun escape from prison in 1997 by the hand of the Lord. I've been called to work in the prison yard at 7 o'clock and as I walked back to my cell, escorted by a guard, we stopped to be let through the iron gate. I couldn't believe it when I saw Yun walking out the other way. We all knew he was crippled. So to say I was surprised to see him walking is a great understatement. He walked right past me, but the guard didn't see him at all. It wasn't until I returned to my cell that I realised we hadn't seen Yun walk since his legs had been broken. I was one of the three men who carried him around the prison. The guards even called him the cripple. His legs were completely bruised from all the beatings. He couldn't do anything for himself because of the condition. We even had to wash his clothes for him. It dawned on me that Yun was trying to escape. I immediately fell to my knees and begged God to save his life. As I thought the guards had purposely let him out into the prison yard so they could shoot him. I climbed to the cell window and watched him cross the yard and disappear through the gate. There were probably 30 prison guards in the yard at the time, but no one noticed Yun escape. He even walked right past several of them. A short time later, a great rainstorm came. Back on the third floor of the prison, the guard noticed Yun was missing just a few minutes after his escape. He searched everywhere, calling out, Cripple, where are you? To start with, the, quiet, the guard was quite relaxed, but as the number of places Yun could have been hiding diminished, he grew more and more anxious. After about five minutes, he raised the alarm and the whole prison was in an uproar over Yun's escape. 
The prison authorities interrogated us, but we truthfully told them we hadn't helped Yun in any way. Two of the guards lost their jobs. Lucky not to lose their lives, I think. Isn't that an amazing story? And uh, I hope you agree with me it was worth taking the time to hear that. If you want to hear more incredible stories of this man, the book is called The Heavenly Man. But it shows us that nothing is impossible for God. No prison is too solid that God can't use the keys and unlock it. But of course we can be captive in many ways. It mightn't be that we're locked up physically. But habits can keep us captive. Attitudes can hold us captive. Fear, addictions, our thoughts, they can all make us captives. And Jesus came to set the captives free. And the story of Yun shows that God can free us from whatever is holding us captive. Even though he was set free in a physical sense, there was also the healing. He was free from the pain and the agony of broken legs. And the, the uh, other um, believers who were still in jail, they were set free from anxiety and worry if, if they would ever get out, that, wondering whether God was doing anything and doubt that um, perhaps their time in prison um, would be where they uh, finished their lives. Their faith was strengthened. And although stories of Brother Yun and um, Peter and Paul and Silas in the Bible are amazing, we know that when Jesus says, I came to set the captives free, it's at a deeper level still. And that's free from sin. That's the real purpose of Jesus coming, the real purpose of his mission. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what Jesus has come to set us free from from the wages of sin and death, so that we can live in eternal life with Jesus. And why can Jesus say this? Simply because he has the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And he can unlock our prisons, open the door from heaven, and we can go from one to the other. In Matthew 16, Jesus says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He's passed those keys on to us so that we can continue the mission. But you know, some struggle with the idea that the gift of eternal life is free. There's nothing we have to do except to allow Jesus to turn the key and release us from captivity. There's a thing that psychologists call institutional syndrome. And that is where a prisoner who's been in a jail for some time and is so used to prison life and those surroundings and the confinements that that brings struggle when they get to the outside world. They don't know what to do with the freedom. They don't know how to socialise. They don't know how to respond, how to act, <clears throat> how to make decisions on their own because they haven't had to make decisions for a long time. And for some, it's too difficult on the outside, and they actually reoffend to be arrested and sent back to jail again. I wonder if sometimes in our Christian life we find the same that life is too tough, living for God is too hard, and we want to retreat back to that sense of captivity. But you know, it's a lie to think that the freedom God gives us 
is just for the good people. It's for all sinners. It's a lie to think that the sins of our past are too big and beyond even God's forgiveness. We don't need to retreat back to captivity. It's a lie to think that we're unworthy. Why would Jesus set me free? Why would he desire to take the, the um, punishment of my sin? Why would he desire to have me with him in eternity? I'm just not worthy. I have no interest or any value to God. That's a lie. We don't need to retreat back to captivity. And it's a lie to think we have to do something. I have to earn my freedom. I've got to prove to God that I'm worthy of this. I've got to work hard. I have to keep trying and keep trying and keep trying. We're only going to fail. We don't have to retreat back to captivity. The gift that God offers us is free. Do you know the word release, when the Bible verse says release from captivity, it means release from being captive to sin. It means forgiveness. It means pardon of sins. It means properly letting go of them. Properly letting go of those sins. As if they had never been committed in the first place. And it means remission of the penalty of that sin. Isn't that incredible? When we're released from captivity, when the prisoners are set free, that's all that it means. And this is what Jesus is offering us. Jesus is not about rounding up all the bad guys and tossing them into prison. He's about bursting down the gates of prison and letting all of us who are under the accusation of the devil, under the accusation of sin, letting us go. Just think in the Bible about the lady who was caught in adultery. People had brought her to Jesus, wanting to stone her, and were trying to trick Jesus into see whether he would obey the law and have her stoned, or whether he would save his life and go save her life and go against the law. But Jesus said to them, let he who is out sin cast the first stone. And when they heard this, they began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are those who condemn you? They're not here, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Jesus had every right to allow her to be stoned to death. That was the Jewish law. But he wasn't in the business of condemning. He's not in the business of making prisoners. He's in the business of letting them go. Think about his close friend, Peter. How in Jesus' hour of need, Peter denied Jesus three times. Just think of the guilt and the shame that Peter must have felt. That was the last interaction he'd had with Jesus before Jesus went to the cross. And yet after his resurrection, Jesus found Peter fishing by the lake. Perhaps a bit of institutional syndrome. Peter had gone back to what he knew. And the heading in the Bible I read says, Peter, Jesus reinstates Peter. And we know that three times Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? 
And that third time must have just burned through Peter's heart. He knew what the significance of the three times was. He denied Jesus three times. He says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. He was in the business of setting Peter free. And can you imagine what happened if Peter had remained in that sense of prison and stayed fishing for the rest of his life? Peter had been called the rock. And upon that rock, God was going to build the church. And Peter went on to do many great things and to spread the word of God across the known world at the time. He could have had a bad case of institutional syndrome. But Jesus was setting him free. Jesus is in the business of setting us free as well. Set the captives free. But the freedom we experience when we step into the circle of God's love is not just for us. It's not a matter of us getting the keys, unlocking the door, stepping out, putting the keys in our pocket and leaving them there. In the Great Commission, Jesus says, go and make disciples. We have the keys to go and help others be free from prison, to unlock those doors for them, to show them the way, to show them how they can escape from sin and be free to live a life as Jesus intended. When you realise that we have the keys for that, when Jesus has passed that authority, how can we not want to tell people about God? How can we walk past someone who is in captivity and not stop to open up the door and to show them the way to freedom? But I think too many times we do. We forget that the keys are in our pocket or perhaps we've left them at home on the kitchen bench or maybe they've fallen out of our pocket and under the seat of the car or somewhere like that. But understand, we have been given all authority through Jesus to take those keys and to show prisoners the way to freedom. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you want us to live a life that is free, free from the sin and the burden that it brings us. Father, I thank you for uh, the wonderful stories that we read in the Bible. I thank you for the wonderful stories that we read of Brother Yun and people today who can testify to your goodness and your love and the way that you've opened doors and let them free. Father, I pray that we will be people who race around and unlock other prisoners' doors too and tell them about your love and the freedom that you offer them. Father, may we take up your vision statements, your mission, your calling and let the prisoners know that they can be released.